This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Name Three Songs. I'm Sarah Fagan. And I'm Jenna Million. And this is the podcast where we challenge sexism in the music industry and empower fangirls. Because let's be honest, fangirls knew about that band way before you did. And if you stick around long enough, we'll also let you in on some new music the girls are already crazy about. So before we get into it today, we have some announcements. First of all, we'd like to thank some of our new Patreon members, M, Leah, and Timothy. Thank you for joining us. We're having a super good time with Patreon. We have fun bloopers, deleted scenes. And for this episode with Muses, we actually did a whole extra bonus crossover section with them. So if you want to find more content, if you want to come be friends and hang out on Discord, we are at patreon.com slash name three songs. Yeah, it's a really good time. And the bonus content for this week was a blast. I am just like, oh, wow, do we need two extra (laughs) co-hosts? That was so fun. Uh, so, okay, so just to preface, we are crossover with Muses. They have a podcast called Muses. It is all about the rock and rolls, legendaries, muses, musicians, wives, and groupies. They've been doing this for several years. They have two hosts, Shanti and Lynx, based out of Toronto, Canada. We discovered them while we were doing research for our groupies episode with Erica Campbell. And Sarah was just like, this podcast is the best thing ever. And <laughs> we've been a huge fan ever since. So it's really cool for us to be able to do an episode with them. We did an episode with them on February 18th. So you can go find that. And Sarah tells us all about MySpace groupies. The one thing that's been, as I always say, the one thing that's really, really fun about this podcast is all the cool stuff that we've come across in doing research. And the Muses podcast is one of my favorites because they just celebrate women and they celebrate so many women who have done incredible things throughout the history of music and are just sort of pushed to the side because the men are more important so yeah it was just like so exciting that they came on the podcast (laughs) we're bffs now not a fangirl but i'm fangirling a little bit (laughs) as sarah always likes to say we're bffs with anyone who talks to us for more than five minutes yep (laughs) um but yeah no it was a really fun episode and very fitting to the topics of our two podcasts so sarah do you want to tell everyone what we talked about today Yeah, so this is another topic that I'm overly passionate about. Today, we were talking about how super successful women in music have been sort of whittled down to being the girlfriend of the either equally as successful or less successful men in their lives and blamed for whatever issues that have happened in their relationships. So it's very fitting for Shanti and Lynx to be talking with us about that. And I feel like it's a very cathartic episode for anybody who has any interest 
interest in entertainment news or journalism and sits there and is like, why the hell are they writing these headlines? Why are they talking about it in this way? Because I mean, the amount of times that I've bought a magazine because I'm like, oh, like Elle interviewed like Selena Gomez or whoever, like Elle interviewed Dua Lipa and then like half the interviews about their boyfriend. And I'm like, what? <laughs> They've done Unnecessary. so much. Yeah, so we just have a very in-depth conversation about that and the different ways that these men who these women loved in a way negatively affected their lives because they were so handed to them. <laughs> so, yeah. And a lot of times it's just these like gossip mag sites that are putting out this content because they need to put out content. It's just like yeah, unnecessary, but clickbait. Yeah. So without further ado, today we're joined by Shanti and Links from Muses, one of our favorite podcasts. So thank you guys for joining us today. Thank you so much for having us. Yeah, we're really excited to be here. Just so everyone knows, this is Link speaking. And this is Shanti. Awesome. All right, Sarah, why don't you give us an overview of what's going to be happening today? Yeah, so since the Mises podcast talks about the forgotten women of rock music throughout history, we thought it'd be a good idea to have Shanti Links on to talk with us about the women who have been super successful in their own right in their music careers who have been completely overshadowed by the men that they've been in relationships with. And how like with the existence of gossip mags and entertainment news websites, like these celebrities are like constantly pushed to talk about their relationships and any little tidbit is just attacked like vultures and so these women are left to sort of fend for themselves when these gossip rags feel the need to continuously talk about their relationships but this isn't new to the world of paparazzi and gossip mags this has been happening since the heyday of rock so we thought that since we have some rock specialists here they could fill us in on one of the most infamous situations of this happening so would you guys like to take it away yes absolutely well the most obvious person who's still very divisive in people's perception of them is of course yoko ono she is the most ultimate example of this she really is an interesting person as well because she was already pretty established in her own career as an artist before she ever even met john lennon she had her own gallery shows she was doing performance events she published her first book two years before she ever met him she was making feminist art with themes of peace before john even knew what a feminist was and really the minute her and john got together it seems like none of her accomplishments mattered anymore. And the sole narrative you got in the press was this very xenophobic, misogynistic viewpoint of how basically she was just this foreign woman who had come to London with the sole purpose to bewitch John Lennon and basically force him to quit the Beatles, right? Obviously completely ridiculous. And of course, what you see over time with her and John's relationship is how he found this amazing collaborative partner that was teaching him about life and feminism and peace and love. And together they began making films, they made music, they did performance pieces together. John's lyrics suddenly became very focused and clear on a message of peace and, you know, talking about women in a more positive way than he had previous. And really when people talk about Yoko's career as a musician, it's usually to make fun of her, right? Like to criticize her voice, they cut her down. She made seven albums with John Lennon and 14 solo ones since 1970. Wow. Yeah. She's collaborated or has been celebrated by some of the biggest musicians 
anyone can think of. Her art is showcased at some of the best galleries in the world. And still you go online or you ask a group of people and there's always going to be some person that brings up John Lennon and how she broke up the Beatles and they all put this hate on her just because of who she fell in love with and who fell in love with her. Yes, we did like a TikTok recently about her and there were so many hateful comments. It's like some people really hate her, like really, truly hate her, really, truly believe she broke up the Beatles. Like it's insane that like this is still a narrative that exists and it was literally just a video about the fact that she finally got credit for imagine and people were like how dare you say anything positive about this woman and i'm like i just am happy for her like i don't (laughs) (laughs) like she did write on this song like i'm not lying to you i'm sorry you don't like her but like this is a factual statement exactly yeah and it's interesting too because paul and linda mccartney were married the same year in 1969 and then they collaborated musically together with wings and people look at them as this celebrated couple right it's very different viewpoints a white woman yeah so there was a lot of blame put on yoko when john so if people would say why is she constantly by your side why does she need to be near you and he said because i chose that that's my choice so I think that ties in a lot to other things we're going to be discussing in terms of women taking the blame rather than holding everybody accountable for their individual choices. Yeah. Because I feel like their relationship sort of encapsulates like every scope we're going to be talking about today because a lot of the comments were like, oh, there was abuse. There was like mental health issues. There was fame seeking, like all this ridiculous stuff. And it's like, she already was an established artist when when they met just because she might have been famous in like a, not a western country doesn't negate her fame or success or talent yes and i wonder if the kind of people who would you know leave a malicious or even rude mean comment on tiktok can even look within themselves and go but why do i feel this way yeah like, do they have the capacity to go i have internalized misogyny i have some internalized racism probably not but I think that's a big part of it. Yeah, that's like one of the goals of our, you know, podcast is just realizing that like we all grew up with internalized misogyny because this is just like what our society taught us. And we have to like actively recognize that in ourselves that that's the first step and then reprogram your brain to be like, this isn't right. But yeah, I think a lot of people, that's how they grew up and that's like what they were fed and they don't even realize like why that's an issue. Yeah. So yeah, some of those people I feel like don't even know that they need to learn differently. For sure. Even if Yoko Ono was solely responsible for tearing John away and breaking up the Beatles, so what? <laughs> like, you know, the, the Beatles put in a decent amount of years and a decent amount of albums. And then look what all of the, you know, solo projects we got with George and All Things Must Pass and where he actually needed to go and record that. He needed that. She was doing him a favor is what I would say. (laughs) 
It's interesting too because it's there's almost like a lack of respect there for the artist that you apparently love. Where it's like, why do you think John Lennon couldn't make his own decisions? Like, also true. It's so bizarre. I get you're upset the Beatles split up at the time that he happened to meet this person, but like Shanti just said, we have years to look back on now to see why that was a positive and to see like that was important for his progression not only as a musician but as a human being as well. Right? Like the Beatles, they were all in their early 20s when that happened of course by like 30 they all might be on different paths has nothing to do with the women yeah also fans at any point have a hard time of letting go of a group because they'll be like oh if somebody leaves like when they go solo and they're like oh it's not the same sound it's not what i wanted and it's like you're not in charge of them but it's just weird because it's like so many years decades later from the breakup and people are still like it's all yoko's fault and i'm like do you like you clearly are passionate enough about this band that in like the year 2021 you're like living and breathing the Beatles even though they haven't existed for longer than you've been alive (laughs) (laughs) and yet you like don't do enough research to find out what because like it's it's all out there especially now like there's so much access to prove that those rumors that were going around in like the 60s 70s are like don't hold up exactly Yoko's really carried on John's message and legacy too so even in the years and years and years after the fact she's done so many great things in terms of like her activism and the art that she's been making and I think she's got the best Twitter account in the world and I've said this before and I'll say it again but a lot of our Twitter account is just retweeting Yoko Ono (laughs) she's got a wisdom to her that is just unbeatable for sure. I feel comforted that she's on the planet. (laughs) And imagine how strong she is to have endured like 50 years of this kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I gotta have thick skin. Oh yeah, she's amazing. She should start a boot camp for like these women who get pushed to the side for no good reason. Just be like, okay, Ariana Grande, like go hang out with Yoko Ono for a week. She'll make you feel better. It's okay. (laughs) Well, it's true. It's interesting because yeah, I feel like all the people that we're probably going to talk about, you can sort of tie into this. Like you you can relate them all to Yoko and what she went through for sure. Yeah, Yeah. it's just so upsetting. But with that being said, we're going to fast forward (laughs) to the 21st century with the conversation because I feel like as I said earlier we've just been like fed through our whole lives whether that be like waiting online at the grocery store and just reading the front cover of a gossip magazine or on social media or just any any situation no matter what you're reading there's going to be like a little pop-up on the side about like some celebrity relationship that you didn't care about and suddenly you do and it's always just like someone's girlfriend even if the girlfriend is probably more famous than that man they're always referred to as like they're attached to that person and so we just thought that this would be good to talk about um informative fun light subject (laughs) fun light subject (laughs) because I feel like as Jenna already said like we're trying to make all of us so aware of our internalized misogyny that it just like is embarrassed to be there and gets up and walks away so basically we're going to start with sort of the overarching theme of this is that all of these very successful very talented women have an inescapable ex-boyfriend ranging from all different reasons why they can't escape this ex but I feel like the most known or famous relationship that fits within this scope is the Rihanna and Chris Brown relationship and how she is 
continuously tied to an abusive ex-boyfriend and not all of the fault of the media because they continue to go back and forth to each other but we will get into that in a minute but I figured before we talk about how their relationship was a mess we should talk about just how impressive Rihanna is because who the fuck cares about Chris Brown this like we care about Rihanna here so the frustrating thing is is that like as recently as 2020 Rihanna is asked about Chris and like she speaks relatively highly of him or in a way where I'm like why what's going on here you should move the conversation back to you because you're incredibly talented so throughout Rihanna's career every single album that she's released has been in the U.S. top 10 billboard charts her most recent two albums debuted at number one she's the wealthiest female musician with a net worth of 600 million dollars which is also thanks to the fact that she's created multiple fashion brands including a inclusive lingerie line called Savage X Fenty, as well as a beauty empire that makes foundations for literally every skin tone imaginable. So she's very focused on making sure that all of her fans feel seen and feel like they can go to her for whatever needs they have. And she was also listed in Time Magazine's 100 Most Influential People in both 2012 and 2018. So she is a force to be reckoned with, and she's tied to this garbage man for the rest of her life. So Jenna, do you want to give a bit of a rundown of their relationship so that everybody is on the same page of what's going on here? Yeah, so I feel like we all remember this wherever you were growing up at the time because this was like huge headlines and it was like one of those pop culture moments that will live with us forever. But taking it back to February of 2009, there was an argument between Rihanna and Chris Brown. She had discovered texts from another woman on his phone and when she confronted him about it, it turned into like an all out brutal fight and like there were death threats involved and she came away with visible injuries and he he ended up getting charged with two felonies and he pleaded guilty and they gave him community service, five years probation and domestic violence counseling. So he didn't even like do any jail time or anything for this. So that was 2009 and then 2012, they got back together for like a brief period of time and they've both spoken since about like how their friendship has evolved in different ways. It's just so messy and like I thought that it was important because people don't 100% understand the weight that an abusive relationship holds and like the power it holds over the person being abused because it's not always a woman like women can abuse men as well and so I just wanted to mention something because when I was doing research for this I was trying to just like find some psychology behind why they're tied to each other and the thing that I found interesting was one of the articles that I found that's like why some women go back to their abusers that was written for CNN in 2009 was actually written in response to to the Chris Brown and Rihanna situation, which I just found really interesting that like someone out there was like, we need people to understand why this is not okay, which I appreciated because I feel like most of the news coming out then was just scandalizing what had happened rather than trying to be like, hey, just because Rihanna and Chris Brown like showed up somewhere together a couple weeks later, doesn't mean that you should show up somewhere a couple weeks later with your abusive boyfriend. So I just thought that that was wonderful of this woman, Elizabeth Lynn do for doing that but there was this business insider article written by um lindsey dogson in 2017 called people often stay in abusive relationships because of something called trauma bonding here are the signs it's happening to you and so she talked to a therapist called shannon thomas who basically was saying that when somebody is 
abusing you they sort of will love bomb you abuse you love bomb you abuse you and they do it over and over and over again so the person who is being abused develops like addiction essentially to what's going on because they assume that like after they're beaten they're going to be loved more than they've ever been loved before and so this is why these women like constantly go back to these men who do this to them because that's especially when you're young because like they were chris brown was 19 and rihanna was 21 when this happened so this was probably one of their first serious relationships that they were in and when you are essentially trained to believe that that's what love is like you don't know anything else and so you're going to con especially when the media is constantly being like so what's happening with you and chris like what's going on with you and chris like are you guys going to reconcile and it's like what the, what the fuck <laughs> what the fuck like wh why especially when like it's so easy to just google like signs of an abusive relationship or why women don't leave abusive relationships to then go into an interview and be like why are you not back with your abusive ex-boyfriend? It's just so detrimental to these people. So I just like found it interesting that it was like, oh yeah, like chemically you're like trauma bonded to this person because you are addicted to the feelings that they're giving you. And I just thought that that was really pertinent because in a 2015 interview with Vanity Fair, Rihanna was saying that she felt really protective of Chris. And she's like, I didn't think people understood him. And she goes, um, you realize after a while that in that situation, you're the enemy. You want the best for them. But if you remind them of their failures or if you remind them of bad moments in their life, or even if you say, I'm willing to put up with something, they think less of you because they know you don't deserve what they're going to give. So it's it's just like it's so disheartening because this super talented impressive woman is like still wants chris brown's acceptance and i'm like Ooh. this kind of reminds me of how i've seen in the media as well as even in court how when victims have returned to their abuser it almost they're trying to like negate the abuse saying well if it was this bad or if it was this serious well why did you go back then so as much as it yeah we understand now and it's like a google search away not too long ago like it reminds me of the of gian gameshi he was the host of a really popular music how, how would you describe it he worked for cbc he had a radio show he talked with every important artist you can think of he was a big figurehead in doing what we do basically in mm -hmm. canada so then a famous actress in canada had come out and said he abused me and then i believe it was her that they said well here's an example of even after all of these emails that you sent back and forth about the abuse you still go back together with him so and they were trying to use that against her and for his case so i'm glad that you brought that example up and that you blamed trauma bonding because it's just another way to blame the victim why didn't you why didn't you do this why yeah. didn't you do this and then that's going to cross over a little bit into some of the other people that we're going to talk about well you should have just done this and a lot of people saying well if it was me I would have done this but it's not you it's not your relationship yeah it's interesting too 
with Rihanna where pretty much from the beginning, there were still people who were like avid Chris Brown fans. Mm -hmm. And then after a time, it was like, he suffered enough. Let him do his music. That's what they always say about the men. They've suffered enough. Right. And if you're already in an abusive emotional state from that and half of your fan base and the media, like you said, are like, so what's going on with you guys? I can also understand how that could be very confusing to someone who's trying to separate from something that's emotionally abusive or toxic, but everyone is still sort of supporting you in making it work. It's frustrating because it's that thing where as an outsider, you're kind of just like, you're so talented. You have so much going for you. Like, why do you keep bringing them up? But then you have to sort of remind yourself, we don't know what the relationship was like before the like public abuse. We don't know what else is going on there. And, And this is the same issue. It's like, they love them. So they can't help it. And I just, I guess I get frustrated because especially with Rihanna or in other situations, it's like these women are so strong and have done so many things. And it's like, they'll bring up their exes on their own accord. And I'm like, the second you bring them up, the media is like, oh, well, they've opened that door. Now it's my turn. And it's like a flippant remark of something leads to that. like, oh, are you still in touch with Chris? Like, do you still talk to him? Whatever the case is. And it's like, we've clearly, seen their relationship be like on and off and like all that sort of stuff and it's like don't like, I'm like I, as a person in media I understand why you ask because it's like they've given you the opportunity to do so but at the same time it's like if they think that that's what we want in some sort of way it's the same thing with the, more of the trauma bonding it's like oh like the world is love bombing our relationship so now yeah. do, should I go back to that what do I do yeah That's kind of crazy. And I was just thinking, you know, like, even though Rihanna is still tied to him in these interviews, she really has built like such an empire for herself that I feel like it hasn't harmed her career. Whereas some of like the other folks we're going to mention, in some ways it has like really overshadowed her career. Whereas like, I feel like she's been powerful enough to kind of like, it's still there, like it still follows her, but it it hasn't like ruined her career. For sure. Yeah, Rihanna, I think, is and has come out strong enough, too. And I wonder if in the wake of framing Britney and podcasts like this that are calling out accountability, if we're going to be turning a corner so that someday soon those kinds of questions and these issues aren't going to be brought up, but we're going to allow the woman to shine for who she is and her accomplishments rather than her past and her traumatic experiences. I mean, we can hope. I mean, because that's like another just like smaller example of this thing is it's like, Selena Gomez was with Justin Bieber the whole time that he was sort of having his like rise and fall and like very public mental breakdown and Selena's gone through so much and she's produced TV shows she's had countless number one singles and albums and like has been very successful like actress like done literally everything and yeah I feel like when it comes to her music she just based off of interviews I've read and stuff it always feels like she feels the need to be like I'm still dealing with the breakup with Justin and like I don't know if it's like the teen star like the child star thing of feeling the need to like placate to the media and that whole thing because I know like obviously like you deal with a breakup forever that's completely understandable and like from what I know and have read like there wasn't abuse going on there but like he was 
having a mental breakdown so like who knows what was going on but he also would like break up with her get back together with her and they both are like constantly connected to each other neither of them can really escape it even though Justin's now healthy and in a very healthy relationship and married and like Selena's doing a lot better but it's the same thing where she'll be like yeah like I did write this song about my relationship with Justin and how I'm like finally over it because I mean it must be hard to essentially break up with someone and him get with the person he winds up marrying breaking up with her coming back to Selena and then breaking up with her again and then getting married like five or six months later it's insane but I just feel like again it's the media just taking that bait and being like okay we're only like three questions into this interview but you've mentioned Justin Bieber now so we're gonna run with this and then the whole article and the headline are like Selena Gomez opens up about heartbreak from Justin Bieber and it's like but she talked about so much else like so many more things it's really heartbreaking because this happens so often throughout history and I guess even more so now because the access we have to these people where like the headline is always going to be like the juiciest thing which I understand but like a juicy thing can also be an accomplishment rather than like her ex absolutely I think she's also an interesting example of how and we do this not just with famous people but where if you're in a toxic relationship that's very on off on off over a long period of time instead of looking at that as obviously you're not right for each other it's a toxic thing it's a negative it's like the opposite where it's like well maybe you're like truly meant to be together like it's true love like you just have to work it out yeah and fans really especially with like someone like Justin and Selena really want them to work out in the long run yeah imagine that kind of pressure from your fans would affect how you feel about your relationship as well. I remember, so when we were, when I was like searching about Justin and Selena, I saw like a headline that was kind of like, Selena responds to their marriage and basically the video was like saying fans were kind of like bullying both selena and hayley bieber like after they got married because there was fans on both sides who were like team hayley or like team selena who were just like blowing things out of proportion and like bullying the other woman which we see happen all the time too it's like the dudes in the middle and it's fans hating the other woman on the like on the other side of the relationship yeah the men are given a lot more grace men are a seem to be allowed to go back and forth in their relationships more easily without being called any kinds of names and as you mentioned with you know Justin's public breakdown again there's another instance of grace being granted to men and almost like wow they're so brave for overcoming this yeah for going through this and then coming out of it on the other side where I don't know if that's allotted to women as much definitely not when they go through a tough time hey it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline ready to go to your happy place for a happy price well why didn't you say so just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels so whether it's cousin Kevin's kazoo concert in Kansas City go Kevin or Becky's bachelorette bash in Bermuda you never have to miss a trip ever again so download the Priceline app today your savings are waiting Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, price line. The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. 
It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Definitely not. And I think that that's just like a good segue into like our next main couple who was in the news a lot because of the mental health idea around them, which was Ariana Grande and Mac Miller. And again, I'm going to big up Ariana Grande for a minute because that's what we do here. Ariana has debuted at the number one or number two spot on Billboard for every single release that she's had. She's the only artist to have five number one debuts, which is crazy. Throughout her career, she's starred on Broadway. She's had her own Nickelodeon show. She's an outspoken feminist. She's an advocate for the LGBTQ community and like every minority group ever. Like if Ariana Grande is passionate about something you know and she like puts her money where her mouth is and it's just so impressive. She's won a Grammy for the best pop album and she's broken countless streaming records. She has 20 Guinness World Records and was in what? the time. <laughs> yeah, she's 20 Guinness World Records for like streaming things. It's in- it's insane. Like wow. we would be here for a while if I listed all of them, but <laughs> it's impressive. So she's also was in the Times 100 Most Influential People in both 2016 and 2019. So this is a powerhouse of a woman she's so young and accomplished so much and yet for essentially three years of her life everything that happened with mac miller was her fault so jenna would you like to go into this yeah so the two dated for two years until like may of 2018 and then in september 2018 mac miller died at age 26 from an overdose and fans immediately began to blame ariana on instagram and twitter so some context behind their relationship as i mentioned they dated two years until may 2018 and then at that time it seemed like they were kind of like growing apart and within the same month the relationship with her and pete davidson was announced and they were engaged within 24 days which is <laughs> insane and then their engagement was later called off in October but because of this I think that's part of one of the reasons and then also like Ariana had spoken publicly about how like her relationship with Mac Miller was very toxic and how she was you know trying to help him through his addiction issues and like truly wanted the best for him and since they had separated he also said that there were like no hard feelings between them and yet fans still felt the need to blame her so there was a fan who tweeted quote Mac Miller totaling his G-Wagon and getting a DUI after Ariana Grande dumped him for another dude after he poured his heart out on a 10-song album to call her the Divine Feminine is just the most heartbreaking thing that ever happened in Hollywood. And then Ariana responded with like a lengthy like screenshot notes app post and one of the quotes from there is how absurd that you minimize female self-respect and self-worth by saying someone should stay in a toxic relationship because he wrote an album about them which by the way isn't the case just cinderella is about me i'm not a babysitter nor a mother no woman should ever feel that they need to be which like the perfect statement like she just came out and like absolutely made her points was just like y'all need to stop this is absolutely ridiculous good for her for like being able to like iterate that so eloquently I think the other thing with their relationship which is so frustrating because again like fans just like cling on to whatever they can and whatever they want to see and I feel like sometimes they don't necessarily read what's going on in the news or whatever the case is they just sort of build up an idea in their head and that's what they go off of because throughout their relationship I was unfortunately working at a gossip news website so I was like very in the know of what was going on because there was like whispers of them possibly being together and then they had 
collaborated on a song and they were like making out in the music video and I think that was sort of when the world was like oh okay they like are together and then towards the end of their relationship it was the same sort of thing of like you could tell that they were sort of separating slowly but because there was that attachment because when you're with somebody who suffers from mental illness it is very hard to cut that cord because you don't necessarily want to and I think that's a lot of what they were saying of like there's no hard feelings because they definitely still had that love for each other but they both were sort of like emotionally unstable where it's like neither of us are going to be able to grow when we both are suffering in the same but different sorts of ways and so it's so hard when you see somebody you love struggling in that way to be like okay like we really we really need to break up now like we're not this is bad for me it's bad for you this isn't helping anyone and then on top of that with the fan backlash it's so much harder because it's like oh if Ariana shows up to an event alone or Max shows up to an event alone it's like they need you to survive like how dare you and so it's just like it's it's so it's so frustrating and upsetting where if that was your friend and not a famous person you would never do that you would be like understanding and be like okay like you both suffer from depression or whatever the case is like I understand that this is unhealthy I'm not going to make you guys be together because I know that you love each other like that would be ridiculous and so it's like just view them like your friends like love them like that yeah Jen I really like the last half of that quote too by her when she says I have cared for him and tried to support his sobriety and prayed for his balance for years and always will of course but shaming slash blaming women for a man's inability to get his shit together is a very major problem yeah and she said it so well and it's interesting too how in a time where we all talk about self-care being important and you know taking care of your own mental health and all of that it's like but if you're a woman who knows a man that's in trouble you stay on that yeah you better be there to take care of him yeah it makes no sense clearly no one is thinking about the women in these relationships and their mental health and how it affects them and also not just their relationship but how the fans are treating them for taking care of themselves yeah well i think this is also why it's so important that there needs to be more clear close male bonds in like hollywood and in the limelight because i feel like men are so afraid to be like emotionally attached to each other that there's never oh like his bros should be taking care of him because that's what it should be because if it was the other way around and Ariana had a substance abuse issue and Mac was like mostly fine it would just be like oh Ariana's friends should be gathering around her and taking care of her and it's like he should have that like that should be the same thing like men should be allowed to like have friends and trust their friends to take care of them and that's never it it's always like your girlfriend is not doing a good enough job was it Brad Pitt that thanked Bradley Cooper for his sobriety yeah yeah be more like them That was a beautiful moment. I like, but that's so, it's so important. Prove and show when men stop being like, I'm too macho to love my friend. It can be really powerful. And it's just so frustrating because Mac Miller did have like his posse, like that he took everywhere with him. When you're surrounded by yes people, though, like yeah. just because you have a posse doesn't mean that you have people who are going to go like, enough is enough or create an intervention or, you know, because 
sometimes that means the machine is going to stop and their job is at stake. Yeah, no, I mean, definitely. And I mean, this isn't so much to do with this theme, but just with the theme of like men having shitty friends, but it's like Machine Gun Kelly literally released an album called Tickets to My Downfall about how like everybody showed up when he was being successful, but being at his worst. And like, he's had the same crew and group around him for all this time. And it's like, he was struggling and why did nobody help him? And like, also, why are they still your posse? And that's interesting too, because it ties in. Mac Miller clearly was writing about his depression and drug use and all of that as well. Like, and even going into like Kurt Cobain and John Lennon, all of them wrote lyrically about what they were suffering through at some point in their career. And it shouldn't be the responsibility of whatever female enters their life to completely take care of that. Yeah, as a completely opposite example, Amy Winehouse, we knew she struggled with depression and struggled with drugs, and yet it was blamed on her. It was her yeah. own fault for and what her happened to her. her boyfriend was enabling her. Like her boyfriend was like a known heroin addict and there were people around her that were just like, that's okay, that's fine, we like him. And it's like, what the fuck? Because if it was the other way around, they'd be like, uh, Amy is a known heroin addict. Don't let her near my like brother or whatever. It's so frustrating. And I think since you mentioned like Kurt Cobain, there was that whole thing with Courtney where it's like once they started dating, they were married like four months later. And everybody is just like, oh, she allowed him to go into this K-hole, this heroin like thing. And it's like Kurt was already doing drugs. He already was suffering from mental health issues. And it's like when you put two addicts, two depressed people together, number one, it's never the woman's job to like push a man to leave his house and tour with his band that's ridiculous but it's like how can you expect somebody else who is also an addict to be a good example on a person and then blame it all on her when before she was around were they talking about his drug problems not really and it's like then she shows up and has drug problems also and it's suddenly like oh Courtney's ruining Kurt's career he had such a promising career and now he's like living in this rundown apartment with his pregnant wife and he won't leave and it's like all Kurt wanted was for somebody to love him and that's what Courtney was doing and unfortunately there were drugs involved but it's like of course he's gonna stop paying attention to his band because finally a woman's loving him and that's all he wanted and then the world's like no she's not loving you she's ruining you yeah they're a really interesting dynamic too and I think this also kind of plays into the whole Sid and Nancy thing where the women in those relationships happen to be the more outspoken ones and because of that I feel like people's perception Again, and with John Lennon, it happened too, where it's like, obviously these women are somehow controlling them. They're louder. They speak their mind. These guys are just some innocent, quiet guys just going along for the ride type of thing. And with Kurt, the media's perception of him from the get-go was like this beautiful, angelic voice of a generation. And she was this like wild, crazy rock chick. And I think it was actually in the Vanity Fair article about them in 1992, where it just paints the entire narrative of what Courtney Love becomes in the press. In that interview, they accuse her of giving him heroin for the first time. Again, that's something with Sid and Nancy. Everywhere you look, it's people blame Nancy for giving him drugs. Like he never would have done it before or tried it. Like, come on. And they also put in, I remember at the beginning of the article, they actually compare Kurt and Courtney. They're like, are they the next John and Yoko or the next Sid and Nancy? Like that was a narrative like they went with. And in that article too, they said, this is a quote, Kurt is regarded as a holy man and Courtney, meanwhile, is viewed as a charismatic opportunist. Oh right? my gosh. 
Yeah. So they're just painting her out to be this horrible person. And in that interview as well, they mention that they were possibly doing heroin while she was pregnant. She's later stated the minute she found out she was pregnant, she got off all drugs and everything. But because of that one interview, Child Protective Services came in and took their kid away. And uh, the kid had to live with Courtney's sister, She's I think, like, for we a while. Were all, complicit. all because of this one interview that someone did. And this is the thing is that the media never takes responsibility for their role in like kind of ruining some of these people's lives oh my god a woman who used to work for us weekly as a journalist after the framing britney thing came out she posted this fucking ridiculous tweet that was basically like if the public didn't want it then we wouldn't have been writing about it we were just following orders is that what they're saying I'm like, okay, but, and like, this is the thing that frustrates me is it's like, as somebody who's mainly a photo editor at sites like these, I'm sitting there messaging every editor I know when they're like, oh, we should, we need to post about like Kanye West running for president. We need to post about this. I'm like, how about we don't? Because with us posting about it, it's giving him the press that he needs to actually get people interested in this. And it's like, how about crazy idea? We don't (laughs) talk about this thing because it's like the, this is a frustrating thing. It's like, yes, as somebody like, like when we get this news, when we get these photos, when we get these things, it's like, oh, that's interesting because that's how we're programmed to be like interested in these essentially horrible things that are happening. But just because we get sent a photo of like, I don't know, like Harry Styles not wearing a mask does not mean that we should post a photo of Harry Styles not wearing a mask because the downfall from that would be horrible. That hasn't happened, but like, let's just say it is. It's like, no, we don't need to do that. It's unnecessary because there's so much other news going on. There's so many other things going on that it's like, we don't need to report on X, Y, or Z. Like that woman who did that interview with Kurt and Courtney, like she didn't need to do that narrative. Like she could have done any other narrative. She could have mentioned drugs in some other way. She could have still had essentially the same article without causing their personal life to be affected. And it's just so frustrating. (laughs) It makes me so angry just like all the time, especially because I'm like essentially in a passenger seat of like somebody driving with a blindfold working as somebody with little to no voice in this world of media because you just see it moving. You see it happening. And I'm like, press the fucking brakes. Like this is unnecessary because if we keep talking about this, we can actually cause something bad to happen, which is like how essentially Donald Trump became president. Like, like all like Paris Hilton, like all of these people, it's like most people didn't know that Paris Hilton was like educated and not her simple life character until like five months ago. And I'm like, how, how are you so dumb? <laughs> Like, it just it makes me so angry and that was like oh and like the Ariana Grande and Mac Miller thing just like sets me off so much because he was friends with a shitty person who gave him bad drugs and like that shitty person had no repercussions and it's just so frustrating because anybody who knows anything knows that there's an issue where there's fentanyl laced heroin and it's like that's why there are ads everywhere for that like EpiPen for drugs I can't remember what it's called but it's like naloxone yeah. And and like so many people just get it because they're not that expensive and they can save anybody's life. I and carry one. Yeah. Like if you work in music, you should just have one in your bag just yeah, in case. Okay. 
and it's just like it's just so insane to me that it's like oh this was ariana's fault and it's like he was trying to stop having a drug problem and his friends kept giving him like harder and harder drugs because it was laced with fentanyl which can kill you and it's like how is that ariana's fault and with the whole thing with kurt and courtney too it's like kurt was writing about his depression long before courtney came around mm-hmm. he had attempted suicide multiple times he had physical and mental health issues that he complained about to everyone it wasn't a shocker when he killed himself yet there are still people out there who will believe no matter what that Courtney somehow was involved in his murder yeah and I feel like on the other side of the coin of what I said about Rihanna is Courtney someone whose career has been overshadowed because their whole story is like infamous it's like no one doesn't know Nirvana like everyone knows what happened but a lot of people believe that she did it and I really think that did taint her career for sure it's just like there are other very acceptable reasons to hate Courtney Love and none of them are involved with Kurt Cobain and it's just like if you want to hate her I can give you a list of reasons to hate her but they none of them should be because of her relationship with Kurt and it's just like it's so ridiculous yeah and who thought of her mental health when she lost her husband and the father of her baby and the whole like half of the public think that you murdered him like I can't even imagine what she was going through no wonder she was dealing it with it with drugs and everything right like who was on her side women's mental health is laughed at and ridiculed especially i were talking like with the lindsay lohans and the early aughts and things like that it was ridiculed so while kurt is seen as an angel with problems and you know that oh, he like feels so bad for him. He was so tortured. Then, you know, you have Lindsay Lohan on Letterman and he's laughing at her. He's that, laughing at her. I and she's like, we didn't- Yesterday, it was so upsetting. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, he's talking, you go into rehab, you have alcohol addictions, what's going on? And she's kind of like, we didn't talk about this in the pre-interview. And she's there to promote a movie. Like, Mm -hmm. that's the messed up thing. She's there to promote a movie and he makes the entire thing like about her going to rehab. But also Mm -hmm. you should be celebrated for going to rehab because you- And that's what she said. (laughs) She was saying that, like, this is a positive thing and this is a good thing, but then he would- just yeah like pivot it to so like so you're bad right like what have you done to like get into trouble and she's so uncomfortable and people are laughing and she ends up I think taking control over that interview and she you know grabs the papers out of his hands and she's like what else, what other kind of questions do you have on here and then she's like this is my interview now and it's like fuck yeah that's great but she's done her like is she ever gonna have a comeback her career is over she's tried and people just are so awful I saw her in a play in London which she wasn't that good but that's not like still she was like oh I want to do this I'm going to try and put myself back out there and everything is just making fun of her and it's like of course she's nervous and like not going to perform her best she was such a talented actress and the world just tore her down and it's like the same thing with like these singers and all this stuff where it's like these women are so talented and have so much to offer and they just get mitigated to these men or their addiction or their mental health issues and it's like stop (laughs) It makes me think like, you know, Lindsay Lohan, child actor. I know she maybe dabbled in some singing. 
big issues and trauma from being a child actor, you know, that's not in the equation at all. Thinking back, like, well, how did she come to have so many problems? Like she, she grew up in a very abusive system and then being like the media and Hollywood and all that stuff. And then anything that she's done since has been a joke. And then you have someone like Macaulay Culkin, who was like a child actor and had some trauma. And I imagine, I think there was like some drug use in there. And then look at him now. People are celebrating him as a god. Like, oh my God, he has a band about pizza. And look at him walking down the street and he's wearing a t-shirt of like this Ryan Gosling wearing a t-shirt of him. And like, we love him. So it's like, why again, it's going back to giving the men the grace and the being like, you kicked your addiction. Congratulations. We love you. You're a god. Or if they didn't and they died or they committed suicide, it's like, you're still a god and we love you. The issue is, is that like women aren't allowed to do anything whatsoever without the media attacking them for it from something as horrific as having drug problems to something as common as having multiple boyfriends, which brings us to Taylor Swift, who is probably one of the most like iconic women in music, having shifted her career from country laced with pop to just like an all out pop star to somebody who's allowed to experiment with music because her fans just trust her. So I'm going to do something I never thought I would do in my life. I'm going to big up Taylor Swift for a minute and a half. Um, Here we go. (laughs) Go off, queen. So let's just give you guys some cold hard facts, which is that Taylor Swift has sold over 200 million records worldwide over her career. Every record except for her debut hit the number one spot on Billboard as its debut number. Her first album came out as number five, which is impressive for a new artist. She has probably one of the most impressive like artist fan relationships in all of America, probably Western culture in general where her fans just trust her and let her do what she wants and they don't really complain that often when she does new things and she just has had like such impressive growth over her career not just like in her music but as a person being more confident in her beliefs and what she's doing and being like you know what I need to stop being this cookie cutter person and people need to know who I am she has 10 Grammys and like hundreds of other awards and accolades and she also was on Times 100 most influential people in 2010, 2015, and 2019. So she has so much going for her, and yet her career has been plagued with the media being like, how dare you sing about your ex-boyfriends? Which Jenna will kindly go into more detail on. Yeah, so there's a 2018 article in Marie Claire by Emma Henderson, who puts it ever so eloquently. So I'm just going to read the first two paragraphs of this article. She writes, if you've ever listened to a Taylor Swift song, then you already know the girl writes music about her exes whether it's an emotional ballad about john mayer or an entire album about harry styles swift uses her infamous celebrity relationships although she's never named names as lyrical inspiration her openness about heartbreak has earned her a devoted record smashing fan base but also plenty of criticism for playing the victim and making money off her exes the watch out she'll just write a song about you jokes have reached clichédom. she's even parodied it herself in her song blank space Yet men in the music industry are getting praised for doing literally the exact same thing. Last week, The Weeknd released an EP, My Dear Melancholy, full of reflective, feels-heavy lyrics that fans think are about his previous relationships with Selena Gomez and Bella Hadid. 
Wow. I'm so yeah. mad. <laughs> to have a song written about you by a guy is like a great honor, you know, like, and then it goes back to that fan being like, how dare Ariana do this and that after she was given that great compliment of being written about. But yeah. then anytime a woman and then, you know, going back to like our podcast, when we talk about women who have come out with autobiographies back in, you know, the 80s and early 90s, they were criticized for trying to make money off their exes. But the thing is, is that everybody's story is valid. The story doesn't belong to the man. Yes. They were both there. I had thought about this before. I think I've even maybe mentioned this on this podcast before, but there was a point in time where like I was doing a lot of like self-reflection and writing. And like, I was like, why do men get to write so many stories about women and they can just say whatever they want. And I feel like I don't have the power to say what I want. I feel like I, I'm not valid to like share my emotions in the same way and somehow they are. And then I realized that was all BS. And like anyone can write anything about how they're feeling about their emotions and they're totally valid in that. Yeah. And they even said like she's not being like oh this one's about this person this one's about this she's just writing songs people are interpreting them people want to hear those songs they want her to write about the exes but then they criticize her for it as well yeah. they're like they're purposely listening to hear whatever they want to hear oh yeah to, to criticize her about it right it's so frustrating because there's nothing wrong with singing about your exes and it's like the amount of men who have sung about exes in like horrible ways like downright atrocious under my language. thumb yeah. yeah we just did an episode on Chrissy and like every song about her is just horrible yeah and it's so upsetting and like Taylor very rarely like she has written a song or two that are questionable like blaming women or being pretty hateful towards these men but again like unless you are a super big Taylor Swift fan and even if you are some songs you're just like wait who is this about what's going on here and it's just like it's disgusting how much hate she's given for writing about her lived experiences when we've done two whole episodes about misogyny and songwriting and like these men just sing about women in like this grotesque way of like oh she was like my sex object or like oh I had all this power over her and meanwhile Taylor's singing about Harry Styles and like oh you'll never go out of style like <laughs> this whole thing where it's like really positive about him even if the song's not really supposed to be positive and the thing is is that like as taylor's grown like she has stood up for herself because it's just frustrating and i just thought like this was really interesting was that like in an interview in 2014 with an australian radio show taylor was saying how like you're gonna have people saying oh you know she just writes songs about her ex-boyfriends she's like i think frankly that's a very sexist angle to take no one says that about ed sheeran no one says that about bruno mars they're all writing songs about their exes their current girlfriends their love life and no one raises the red flag I think that Taylor would really like our misogyny and pop lyrics episode. <laughs> I think Taylor needs to come guest on an episode. That's <laughs> what I'm thinking. She probably would. I'm just glad that she called out Ed Sheeran because mm, my arch nemesis. <laughs> And I'm sure her exes have written about her. Like, I'm sure Harry Styles has a song about her and no one's criticizing him. When men write about deep personal feelings, they're congratulated. Like, wow, you really dug deep. Like, you you really yeah. went for it. You revealed your true feelings. And then, yeah, when a woman does it, it's like, you're trying to make money. Yeah. Yeah, I am. <laughs> yeah, I am trying 
trying to make money. You know? yeah. Yeah. Did you know when Adele released someone like you, the guy that she had been with? And again, she's never publicly stated who he was, tried to sue her and get money for like being the inspiration of it. Oh my God. Is that a, like, has that ever like successfully gone through? Is that a real thing? I don't like, think to be so. amused for a song no, and like... try to get royalties. Yeah. I don't <laughs> think that's ever, I don't know of anyone. Just thinking about like people who have sung about exes, comparing them to like the men that we have like called out in these misogyny episodes. Taylor Swift is very like coded and poetic and like Harry Styles is very coded and poetic and a lot of his songs like you don't know who they're about. Adele, same thing. It's like you have no idea. And it's like the amount of times where I've done interviews with artists and been like, oh, like what was the inspiration behind the song? And they're like, oh, I just like write in character. So it's like you have no idea if this is a lived experience or just like something they witnessed happening or if they're like watching I don't know 90210 and like oh that's that's inspiration for this like something just like whatever because they don't want to pull in a hundred percent of their personal lived experiences and I feel like in a lot of Taylor's songs except for the ones that are like very pertinent because a man has scorned her but that was mostly like in her early career nothing is that cut and dry where you're like oh I've read this in in like Us Weekly most of it is pretty up in the air of like who it could be about or what's going on and yet she's still always like if she's in the media it's like who is Taylor with now or and now that she's like with Joe Alwyn there's like all these rumors about like oh like are they married like what's going on here and it's like she finally realized that like you can be in a loving relationship that doesn't need to be 100% public and the media and the fans and everyone is just like grasping at straws and I'm like this must feel so powerful for her because for so long because like she wasn't even with Harry Styles for that long she wasn't with a lot of these people for so long and like the one relationship that just like grinds my gears is that like when she was with Calvin Harris I'm like Calvin Harris is the grossest man like he like <laughs> like because that was the thing it's like most people didn't know what this man looked like they were just like aware of him and for also the longest time he was just like a schlubby DJ like gross looked like he didn't shower and then all of a sudden <laughs> he got like a four pack and <laughs> is dating Taylor Swift and everybody's like oh my god calvin harris oh oh and he's like getting all these like working with like even bigger names than he was before and it's like he gained so much from dating taylor but the whole thing was always like taylor and calvin and never just like taylor swift every headline was always them linked together there were like four photos of them together in 2016 when i worked at that gossip news site and everything they're like we need a new photo of them we're writing about them again i'm like this article is a hundred percent about taylor swift why why does calvin harris have to be here and that's the thing is it's like this man was a nobody essentially like he was big in what he did but like he wasn't an a-list celebrity star written about in these gossip magazines then he's tied to taylor swift all of a sudden he's a bigger deal and i'm like what what? What? <laughs> it's so infuriating how often this happens where these super successful, talented women will be labeled as like a slut or whatever because they have had a normal amount of boyfriends and the amount of time they've been alive and they'll date somebody like less successful than them and that man is picked from a B-list celebrity dom to like A-list celebrity living in a mansion in Beverly Hills suddenly has like a work visa in America and it's like, what the fuck? <laughs> 
It's also interesting, like even just people who maybe were famous still, for instance, Mick and Marianne, I think about them where they only dated for four years over 50 years ago. And every article I read about Marianne, she's just put out a new album. There was an article that came out last month. They mentioned Mick Jagger four times in it. Oh my gosh. If you look up articles about Mick Jagger, they're not mentioning Marianne Faithful every time they talk yeah. to him. Right. She wrote one of their best songs. What the fuck? She did. <laughs> and it took decades for her to get the credit for it. So, yeah. yeah. That is so insane. Yeah. Talk about like inescapable exes that were like a tiny part of your expansive life and career. Yet you still have to talk about them 50 years later and be like, yep, I dated him. Yep, that happened. It was so fun. Bizarre. Yeah. I, like, I don't have any. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, I know. We're just like speechless. I'm just like. It's it's just so overwhelming because I just think about the relationships that I've been in and like I'm just like such a career driven person and but I like people who are creative and like I'm creative but I'm career driven and it's if I was super successful and my boyfriend all of a sudden got like more famous than me for no reason just because I was famous I'd be so pissed off because I'd be like I put in all the work in every aspect of this <laughs> like and then yeah. imagine 50 years later people are still asking you about it. Well, that's what I was just saying. I was like putting myself in her shoes and I'm like, yeah, I dated that person a really long time ago, but like that's over. Like, why are you? It just seems so trivial. Seriously. And like, again, they were in their early 20s. I think she was 20 when they met. So it was a young relationship. It has nothing to do with like the rest of her life. She's an actress. She's put out like over 20 albums herself. She's a survivor. She's gone through addiction. She was homeless for a time. She's been through so much. And there's just like so many fascinating things about her. Yet every time people have to mention, oh, but like you dated Mick Jagger, right? Like, That's why our podcast exists. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> to highlight the other accomplishments. Yeah. that these women have had that have been overshadowed so i think maybe like a little nice wrap up if you enjoyed this conversation you can head over to the muses podcast and learn more about all of these wonderful women throughout history and yes. you can hear us rant and rave about my favorite random era of groupies that nobody's aware existed which is live journal groupies. <laughs> um because we were on their episode a couple days ago so you can go listen to that because i feel like our banter is so great that everybody's just gonna want more of it <laughs> Thank you guys so much for joining us and we're going to link all of your socials, but just like if you want to mention where can people follow up and find you. So we have a website, musespod.com. We're on Instagram at musespodcast, on TikTok at musespod, and you can listen wherever you find all of your podcasts. We have an episode on Courtney Love. We have an episode on Nancy Spondrin. So if you wanted to go check those out and we mentioned those women in this episode and if you want to hear their story in a little bit more detail, you can go check those out too. So we have not done a band of the week in quite some time. We were talking about two series of topics for us to be like bright and breezy, but now we're back with it. So Jenna, are you prepared? Have you been just chomping at the bit with the artist for us? I am so ready. I've been counting down the days till this band of the week in 30 seconds or less. Okay, so I'm going to count you down in three, two, 
One, go. Okay, so I'm talking about an artist named Caroline Kingsbury. She's based out of LA. She's like writes all her own music, but she's very like 80s glam pop star meets like singer songwriter. Um, she has this very like nostalgic, glittery like music video presence. She has a record, her debut record coming out in April. She has a lot of singles out right now. My favorites are one she just dropped called Massive Attack and another one called Falling in Love. And I I think that is my time <laughs> that was really good for being out of practice so class. i know i'm like extra nervous because we haven't done You're this rusty. in so long well you did great i'm proud of you and she sounds really cool so thank you <laughs> so that was such a fun episode and i'm so so happy with how that went sorry for being over the top passionate about everything but i feel like you guys are used to that for me by now yeah, so if you enjoyed this episode, we do have a crossover episode with them that came out on the 18th. So if you want to find out more, hear more of these fun stories, go check out Muses Pod. Yeah, because they, they know so much, obviously, since we were all just really passionate about everything we talked about today, which was really fun. So if you have any thoughts, any comments, any concerns, any other relationships that you think I should get heated about, want to get heated about with me whatever <laughs> you can come out with us on social media we're at name three songs on instagram twitter tiktok what have you if you want bonus content you can come sign up for a patreon which is patreon.com slash name three songs and if you want to chat with us personally i'm at sarah underscore fagan and jenna is at jenna underscore million so thank you so much for joining us on name three songs until next time never let anyone make you feel bad about your favorite band and remember you're never too cool to listen to Harry Styles. Don't forget to subscribe to be notified when each episode comes out and leave us a five-star review. They really help. If you want to find out more about any of the sources we referenced in this episode, you can visit Name3Songs.com. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.